The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. This podcast is produced with caller interaction. Follow Dr. Mona Lisa on Facebook and Instagram to be a part of the next podcast taping. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Is your compulsive tendency to see flaws in what you're doing at work? your cleaning, your house, your weight, your diet, exhausting you and the people around you? Is it hard to ask for help because, well, you need to get it just right. And of course, you want to do it yourself. If it's upsetting your digestion, your sleep, and increasing that pressure in the form of your headache and blood pressure to try to get everything Oh, just right. Today's show is for you because it's about the perfect illness, perfectionism. People call it obsessive compulsive disorder. It's not. People say you might be a control fanatic. Mm, Not so much. Today's show is going to change your life because it's going to teach you how to handle perfectionism in its multiple forms, and how, like everything, a little bit of perfectionism is good, but too much can kill you. This is Healthy Living Intuitively with me, Dr. Mona Lisa Podcast on my mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and my name is Dr. Mona Lisa. We're taking your calls during the show, 207 846 6497. For a mini reading, call that number 207 846 6497. Shy, want a private reading? Email me at monalisamd.me.com. Call 207 846 6475 or go to www.monalisa.com and Dr. Mona Lisa podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But remember, this forum is educational only, is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. And please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment if you are in an emergency. Back away from the Zoom. Put down the podcast and go directly to your emergency room. 
Of course, I worked perfectly on this show today. I went overboard trying to understand all the perfect reasons for where perfectionism comes from, its many faces, and how you might live effectively with it. Because you think you're getting rid of a perfectionism, you've lost your mind. Because you've been perfecting it for years. Is perfectionism that you're a nervous thing? Not necessarily. Perfectionism is edginess, jumpiness. And what you do to calm yourself down is you get busy. You straighten things up. When I'm doing a reading, if I'm nervous, I don't even know I'm nervous. I get out the Windex and then I start Windexing things. As I'm saying these things to you, the reason why I do this opening monologue, you think you're going to call on the phone right now and get a reading? No, this is your checklist. Do I have this problem? So when I'm doing a reading, am I really nervous or do I think I might not be able to perfectly help this person or I'm afraid of failing? These are things that may elicit perfectionism. So what do I do? I do something that I may feel that I can perfect. For whatever reason, I am inextricably attracted to the Windex and I will get out a rag and I'll start Windexing things. Because that you think you can perfectively get the nice clean edge. Windex is made for this. And then I say to myself, because of course you're compulsively perfectionistic, you say to yourself, what are you doing? You're supposed to be focusing on a reading, being conscientious and diligent. That's the other thing people have called you. That per- You are conscientious and diligent. You're the most conscientious and diligent person I've ever met. You're, and then you have pride because you've perfected your conscientious and diligence. Check. So you, th- you, you beat yourself up. Check. You beat yourself up often. You're not trying hard enough. I'll try harder. No one has tried harder than you. In fact, you probably have a parent. No matter what you do, it's not good enough. So you try harder. Check. This is a checklist. You should be checking them off. So I put the Gwindex and the rag down and I go back to the reading. And I'm I can do it and dust, excuse me, and Windex at the same time. So next thing I know, I got this little antique, antiquer brush that you use it to brush antiques. I have two of them because, you know, nothing succeeds like perfectionism. They are the perfect brush to get in those crevices of antiques that you don't want to knock them over to break them. So I don't have one. I have two. And no one ever uses on the, them on the floor because that would injure them and they wouldn't be perfect anymore. So I start brushing things and dusting because I don't want to see a particle of dust. I want it to be perfect. And then I realize, what am I doing? I am now doing it again. I am trying to master the things that I could not perfect because this reading is making me nervous. Perfectionism is an aspect of nervousness. You try to control or perfect something because something else in your life 
is out of control. So you are, you will be amazed that someone else will say, you're a control fanatic. And you'll like, no, I'm not. I'm a very relaxed person. Really? I try really hard. I try really hard is a phrase you use. I try really hard to be relaxed. You cannot be relaxed if you're trying really hard. These are two things that work in opposition. I used to speak at these yoga retreats until I realized that a lot of type A people went to those yoga retreats and they did yoga in a type A way. (laughs) I've never seen anything like it. They bring the mat. They wear the spandex. I have never seen such perfectionistic kind of people to the point where the poor people who come in with the sweatpants, with the runny nose, with a knit hat, pulling in the rear, with, you know, the shredded yoga mat, coughing, sneezing, they are shunned because they don't have perfect posture. They're not perfect enough. Mindfulness is not about perfectionism, but you'd be surprised. It's unbelievable. Tension, uneasiness. And then you go to the bookstore and they have all these things. It's a process, not perfection. And not when you look at this crowd. So, are you, do you have personality style of someone who's obsessive and compulsive. You go, no, not really. Really. Is someone that went to your desk or your journal or your three-ring binder or your chair? Notice I say your, because there is no such thing as community usage of your things. They are your things, meaning there is a boundary around them, meaning you are boundary meaning you don't want people to touch your things. Therefore, you have a control thing going on there. That's all I have to say. So that means there's a little bit of rigidity. Not like I have this problem. So what you do is you're compulsive in the opposite direction. They start going toward your stuff as I start to stutter. So you go, no, 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 let me get yours. So you're very giving. I'll get you a book. I'll get you a pillow. Let me get you a chair. You cover it up by being conscientious and diligent and getting them their own as you are boundary around yours. Then, of course, there's working in groups. Do you work well in a group? Uh, Kind of. You like to petition the tasks, but if you're good at something, it's really hard for you to have somebody else do it instead of you. Because if you watch someone do it and you're better at it, it's really hard for you to tolerate it being done when you could do it better. It's not that you're a snob, a task snob. It's looking at the finished product project. It's not that you're a pain in the ass and go, you know, I could have done something better than that. No, you're not a snob, elitist, and narcissist. It's not about that. It's that your eye, an area in the orbital frontal area in the brain, picks up flaws. It's like you have 
a heat-seeking missile for flaws. You do. There's a thing in the intuitive brain. I saw this and I couldn't believe it. It's unbelievable. The orbital frontal area that's important for bonding and empathy, all those people who go, I'm an empath, and they look so calm. Not calm, really, they're not calm. So flowing and so tolerant, they're not. The area in the brain for intuition, connectedness, empathy, is also very good at picking up flaws. The intuitive brain is looking for the injury, the hole, the problem. You don't pick up as well intuitively perfection. You don't because it's a warning signal. You look for the flaw. Honest to God, you do. That's the area of the brain. And then it's connected to the area, the anterior cingulate, the area for anxiety. And then it's connected to the amygdala, the area for rumination. Oh, excuse me, the, the um, basal ganglia, rumination. Let's do that again. So it goes to the orbital frontal. Oh, it's just if you could fix that just a little bit. That rash. You never, you just never know, could spread. And then it makes you nervous to see that rash because you don't know. It could be a tick bite, you know. And then you ruminate about it because you're up at night thinking, rash, tick bite. I'm not sure. And your hands ring around and around and around. Because the intuitive brain is an anxious brain, is a ruminative brain. It picks up flaws. And then eventually, they work to try to control it. Master it. Because if you get the signal, you see the flaw, you try to corral it, change it. You know, if I see it, maybe I could like fix it so it doesn't spread. And that's where we go. So I made, I made a site, a slide, which is not a slide anymore. It's called PowerPoint, called Contact Intuitivitis. Because there is a connection between perfectionism, anxiety, and, perfect, um, and intuition. It's that perfectionism, the brain is drawn to pick up a flaw and try to remove it. And anxiety is when you see the flaw and you're like, oh, I got to fix it. You just never know. Could get worse. Catastrophize. And then it ends up being a phobia. Because a phobia is an irrational thing. It spreads. And you say, oh, that's not true. A rash could be Lyme. You're right. It could be. But who made you the Lyme police? <laughs> you could just say once. You know, you might want to get that rash checked. Nope, not that brain. It keeps going around and around and what I call intuitive contact intuitivitis until you perfectively, perfectly work to extinguish the area. Like that movie, The Shining, this house is clear. Perfectly clear. That's why that saying, it is perfectly clear. They don't say kind of clear, a little bit clear. They say perfectly clear, perfectly clean. Because that's the whole point now, isn't it? Because ambiguity is scary. 
it's a paradox. We don't like impurities or mixtures. We either want it to be impure or pure. Bad or good. Black or white. Vague is confusing. 100% impurities. Get them all out. Our society... Our society gives people perks for perfectionism. Perks for perfectionism. You get a star. Your handwriting is perfect. You don't get an an satisfactory for sloppy. In the second grade, I have to report that I got an F conduct grade. Mona Lisa finished her work quickly and sloppily and she was overly interested in the problems of the people in the back room. Now, granted, I was always seated in the front of the room. If I was interested in the problems of the back of the room, that meant that I was seeing them intuitively from the back of my head. That meant intuitively I was obsessed by what was going on, problems, flaws, and I was worried about them and I was going to fix them. So rather than focused on mine, I was going to go back there and fix them because they were making me nervous. By the seventh grade, I ended up in the guidance counselor and he said, you're never going to fit through life this nervous, this sensitive. By high school, I got straight A's. Why? Because the comments were conscientious and diligent. Straight A's because my lab reports were perfect. Perfect. I made Ukrainian Easter eggs and I worked so hard to be perfect. Because if I couldn't fix those problems perfectly, I could try to master that line on the egg. And that's what we do in the world if we are intuitively keyed in to the problems, the pains. We work on something that we can master. The refrigerator, stacking the dishwasher. That area of our workspace. And maybe the people around us, our children, our animals. Recently, I saw in the Today Show the world's ugliest dog. We think this is mean, and actually, it's not. And the reason is, is because they now show that those animals are handicapped and born that way with imperfections. And they help people celebrate animals that are handicapped and appreciate them. Interesting would be that someone who spent their whole life being perfect and imperfect has a spine that is 120 degrees crooked. I couldn't see this behind me. I had a crooked nose that was as crooked in an S-curve as my spine. Deviated septum and a broken nose. I tried to get it fixed, and when I got it fixed, it ended up being an S-curve again. And of course, I picked the plastic surgeon who was perfectionistic. And he said, not exactly a perfect result. I said, I have two words for you. Billy Jean, 
You know who I'm talking about. I said, we're not getting it repeated. I don't want you fooling around with the college of my nose. I said, do you notice that the S curve in my nose actually is the same S curve in my back? It's curved. It's curved. I'm curved. Sometimes the imperfections, we have to practice looking at them. And it's a mindfulness skill. It's distress tolerance. Phobia. Nervousness about something. We have to learn to observe, describe, allow, and not judge. Imperfections are just that. They're not good, they're not bad. They just are. And sometimes when you pick up something intuitively about someone, you can say, hey, look at that rash. I got a rash. These bugs come in at night. I don't know what the hell is going on here with these no seams. All I know is I see them and they hurt them. And I heard that they didn't like lemon spray. I put lemon spray on last night, sprayed it liberally on the on the bean bag. Oh, they like lemon spray. So now I got all these bumps all over the place. So now I'm itching, itching, itching on Zoom all day long, sometimes moving my boobs around real nice on video. Perfectly imperfect. Spiritual paradox. And for those of us who need to tolerate a world with peace and chaos, good and evil, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. The word shalom does not mean peace, quiet, peace and quiet. No, it doesn't. It means a whole. That the whole means there's some evil, there's some good, there's some mixtures, there's some crooked, there's some straight. There's a little bit of everything. Because wholes peace and calm and serenity means being able to tolerate the whole of everything. Learn mindfulness, distress, tolerance. Have someone teach you to tolerate something that's a little undone if you're someone that has to complete the whole job before you leave work. If you have to have the dishwasher done completely your way, have someone do it in the house who doesn't do it your way. And do deep breathing. Observe describe, allow, even if they lay the glasses on their side. Because it's not product, it's process. Meaning, you're going to learn to watch the imperfection. Because a relationship is more important than the dishwasher. That's called radical acceptance. Fifth center, neck, thyroid, the difference between willing, willingness and willfulness, being to accept, balancing, accepting what is, and willfulness changing everything. Sometimes you accept something on its side, and sometimes you turn it upright. So every day I do an imperfection drill. I walk by after I've Mop the floor, 
and I see someone has put lint right there where I just mopped or, you know, something. And I walk by and I don't pick it up. Very difficult because I just cleaned that area. And who put that there? Observe, describe, allow, because that's a spontaneity of life. And you want to be living, don't you? I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and we've been talking about the perfect illness, perfectionism. I am putting the phone back on the hook. You can call 207-846-6497 or raise your hands if you have a question. Bug bites are killing me. Does anybody have a question? Just raise your hand. Some of the solutions that one can do is opposite action. This is all from a book, DBT Skills by Marshall Linehan, the second edition. It's wonderful. So if you're one that needs things to be just so, you practice doing what makes you edgy, anxious, nervous, uncomfortable, out of sorts, over and over again. It's the opposite. It's called opposite action. You do it when you have a phobia. We'll have a question from Dawn. You can um, take your, you can unmute yourself. How can I be of help? Hi, how are you? Good. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Um, the description of the dishwasher is is great because that I was like looking at in your uh, description of today's podcast. And as soon as I saw the, the dishwasher thing, I was like, oh my God. So I've been practicing leaving the dishwasher because our dishwasher is an energy saver and it takes three hours to run. So my wife will stack it one way and, you know, stuff is all over the place. And I go back in and I will move stuff around. But then you are married. You will fill in the dishwasher. No, your wife will fill in the dishwasher and you will see it and you will change it. Well, yeah, as I'm putting more in. No, like, no, 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 no. You're changing it. Wait a minute now. Yeah. No, I I'm want you to understand it. something. You've taken my class, right? Oh, yeah, twice. Okay. <laughs> and okay. DBT. I uh, know. Okay. So, okay. So, hold on a second. So, I let you in my house and we're making lunch, right? Uh-huh. I'm not married to you, but we're working together in the kitchen, right? Right. Well, mind you, I use my dishwasher to store cat food fountain pen cleaner, okay, and some other sundry things. But let's just say I was using it to clean dishes, okay? Okay. I somehow got to get the residual cat food out from the bottom, but we'll leave that alone. That's been bothering me because, of course, it's imperfect. However, I obsess about that. Suffice it to say, so you start stacking the dishwasher, right? Right. You say, right, because you would, of course, do that, right? Right. (laughs) But you have me and you in the kitchen, two people who are perfectionistic, right? Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> but it's worse, <laughs> right? 
Right. Because when people are working like that, they're not talking about their feelings. They're just doing things. So if you don't say how you feel and the other person doesn't say how you feel, and there's not run running monologue about how we're feeling about each other, the only way we can communicate is interpret one's actions. Right. Given that we're not giving each other the finger or, you know, doing gestures that they do, you know, in various areas, we can only look at gestures like slamming doors, coughing, or things like that. So you feel meticulously with pride your um, extremely efficient way of loading a dishwasher, right? Right. So I take the dishes out one by one and I clean them and I put them back backwards. 40, 95 degrees opposite the way you did them. Right. Now then, we're not doing anything. And then I purpose, I, I don't say anything. And I say, hey, would you like some ice cream? <laughs> now, first of all, I've washed them. So that you might interpret that, gee, she thinks I'm filthy. I'm a slob. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. That I didn't wash them. Or you might think, well, did you not read that article about you're not supposed to wash dishes before you put the dishwasher? But on the other hand, you're thinking maybe I shouldn't say that because she's my teacher. And if I say it, I might sound like a know-it-all. So you don't know if you should keep it all inside, keep it zipped or what. So now you're all bollocks about just that one pot. Okay, you understand? Right, yeah. But no, we're not even done. That was part one. So I've now washed them. And the inference is, what's the matter with Dawn? She a slob? She didn't clean them before she put in? Or I know better? Or I haven't run the study? So if that's not bad enough, I then put them in, but I turn them the opposite way, and I turn them 95 degrees. So why do I do that? Because A, I know better, or B, I'm futzing with you. <laughs> do you understand? Right. And there are some people who just do it to screw with you. Why? Because they just do. They just they need some entertainment value in the afternoon. You know? They're a little sadistic. And there are people who do just that. We've all worked with them in a lab or in an office. They don't get enough accomplishment or challenge with their work. So they go in someone else's desk and they turn the ruler or the paper about two degrees to the right, just to screw with people who are perfectionistic. I used to do that with a friend of mine, Diane. Her desk was perfectly aligned. 
and that it made it was funny. I thought it was funny, right? So I go in there, and her refrigerator or kitchen was just that way too. Everything on the on the on the refrigerator door with the magnets was mm-hmm. lined up just right. So not only did I change the order of all the magnets, but I turned them just a degree to the left, just to upset them. That's called an imp. <laughs> do you understand? <laughs> now, you can do that just to fool around with someone. But what was more fun was watching her come back into the room and watch her just laugh, but put them all back. <laughs> Every single one of them. And what was funny is when she came in the room, she'd look at her desk and she'd see every single paper had been moved. It was hilarious. But what was better was getting above the scene and knowing for every Diane, there was a Mona Lisa. For every OCD was an ADD. (laughs) And it added up to normal. And that's the way it is. It's a teeter-totter. A seesaw. One person goes up and the other person goes down because it's group dynamics. Somebody's got to be the messier one and someone's going to be messing with them. <laughs> because you just want to. If someone's really very perfectionistic, you just want to screw with them. I don't know what it is. You just want to. You probably don't, but I do. Just because there are, I'm going to conferences where those people are so uptight. And I think I've probably said it. It makes me want to smoke camels and drink beer. And I don't smoke or drink. Never have. I mean, I've drank a little bit, but no, I never smoke. But you know, those kind of people that you want to smoke and drink around because you're like, loosen up. You people are so uptight. Do you get it? Mm -hmm. You have the impulse. Am I, but you're probably thinking, gee, does she think I'm uptight? No, I'm not saying that. I am just saying. When you do something and you're married to someone, it never comes just about dishes, is it? Yeah, no. It's a paraverbal communication. And next thing you know, you're in marriage therapy. And after two months, already there. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, um, marriage therapy. And you start talking about I once knew these two women. I was in the car. I said, why'd you break up with her? And she said, over a peach pit. I said, really? Well, they were both clinical psychologists. So, you know, (laughs) and I was a med student. So, you know, they're going to know everything about everything about emotions, right? Right. I said, why'd you break up? They said, more serious than cancer. And I can say that because I've had breast cancer. <laughs> I said, why'd you break up over a peach pit? She was more serious than cancer. I said, oh, come on. And you would not look, you would not believe the look. <laughs> she said, it was about a peach pit. And of course, you know, I had to go there, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> because it wasn't funny. But it was hilarious. I said, you're serious now. Clinical psychologist. It was a peach pit. She says, yes, it was. I said, really? So, you know, it was a control issue, right? 
So you put two OCD people in the front seat of a car going due south. There's going to be a problem. She said, I was eating a peach. I opened up the window and I threw the pit out the window. And my partner said, you just littered a hundred dollar fine. Police, police. (laughs) She said, I didn't. It's organic. She goes, no, it's not. It's a peach. She said, it's organic. It's wood. It will decay. She said, in Atlanta, Georgia, maybe, but not in Rhode Island. So I assume then, so they get in an intellectualized debate. But the point is, is they weren't getting along. And it became displaced on organic versus non-organic. And you can imagine what happens in ashrams. Nonverbal communication. And it always has to do with ingestibles, food, and kitchen KP duty. Do you get it? Got it. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. If I corrected your dishwasher, because I saw another marriage that this happened, because it was for another reason, which will make you laugh. If I corrected, no, notice I said, if I corrected, notice I said that? If Mm -hmm. I corrected your dishwasher, would you ask why you did that? Mm, Probably not. (laughs) Because that was the teacher of the course, right? Yeah. (laughs) You can't ask. Isn't that awful? So that means for the rest of the day or the rest of the week, it festers inside. When it was outside of the class. So it has, but you have no idea. It was making me anxious. You have no idea. It is, the fact is, I might be as OCD as you about my dishwasher. My dishwasher. You may remember a slide that I have, which is not a slide anymore, it's a PowerPoint, of a pig in a pig pen. Love the slide. And all the other pigs in the pig pen are filthy, laying in the mud. But he has his area partitioned off and he's eating on the table with a tablecloth and napkins. And he looks like Martha Stewart, right? Yeah. But his area is partitioned off. And I say that people with OCPD, obsessive compulsive personality style, have an anxiety and they need to control their environment. Unfortunately, people they're in, people that they love are often in their environment. Right. And end up being controlled. Right. So they are restrictive, controlled, and their emotions are constricted and controlled. And they tend to have right brain issues where they have trouble dividing attention between their feelings and someone else's. And so they have trouble taking the emotion, naming it, responding effectively and releasing it. So their body demonstrates it through actions, reactions. A friend of mine was married to someone, a man, and he would have a very monotone voice like this. And this is not you. 
FYI, if in the event that you're going there, think again. Okay. Do you remember in my class when people started complaining about the peanuts and the water and all those? Oh, stuff? yeah. <laughs> did you see what I did? I said people would complain, just so you know. People had all kinds of control fanatic problems day four. And that's when everybody starts to, during my seven day, I have a seven day medical intuition class. And you start to learn all about medical intuition. But what people don't realize is they start getting more in touch with their own intuition. And by day four, their frontal lobe, their sensor about their feelings starts to go away. They will get worn down. They've been in the sun or they've been not in the sun. It's just like you just learn this material and it involves music and laughter and stuff like this. But they don't realize after doing that by day four, they're getting a little slap happy. And what always happens is it's they never say, I'm experiencing emotions or I'm getting very emotional. They don't say that. They start displacing it on other things, <laughs> usually ingestibles. <laughs> it's almost always about the food. It's funny, or the chairs, or that's my chair, or that's my book, or whatever. It's hilarious. It's about controlling one's immediate environment. So this year, it was about the water, the peanuts, everything, okay? Everything. But it was hilarious about the explanation. So there might be a complaint about bottled water because breast cancer and stuff like that. But the ex the b behavior afterwards, so this was about the water. I can't drink the water because it's in plastic bottles. I said, okay. Just so happens I bought cases and cases of it, okay? I said, not a problem. So in front of them. And then you poured it out. I poured it out. <laughs> this was hilarious. And they're dying. They're so hot. It was sweltering. I said, Dawn, can you do me a favor? I know. Help me with these bottles. And she just jumps up. And she starts helping me. If you had OCPD, Dawn, you would have been stricken. <laughs> you wouldn't have been able to move. Because people are obsessive and compulsive, incredibly miserly about money. You would have gone, what? You wouldn't have been able to move. Do you understand? Right, yeah. You enthusiastically got up. You're like, oh, the festivities, let them begin. Because <laughs> on some level, you knew what I was doing. I was screwing with them. Because you knew how I was teaching. I said, oh, by all means, we'll get rid of all of these waters. But the next thing with the peanuts, you missed the peanuts. Because whoever was doing this was very obsessive and compulsive about controlling, but not their water. So you understand if you couldn't drink bottled water, and by the way, I have breast cancer. I've had breast cancer. So I don't drink bottled water. But for a lot of people, it's fine. So if you don't want to drink bottled water, don't drink bottled water. But no, no, they're going to, they're going to control it for everybody. Do you understand? Right. <laughs> this is hilarious. So this individual says, I'm surprised you serve bottled water. I'm sitting here going, it's at all foods, whole foods, holistic foods. That's where I bought it. Expensive water. This is expensive water. It's not the cheapo water. It's expensive water. It didn't matter. So I said, let's open it up. I'm going to plant. I'm going to feed all those plants. Oh, my God. You're going to throw out that water? I said, no, no, I'm not throwing it out. I'm throwing it on the plants. And so some people in the class went, well, can I have some? Yeah, <laughs> they took the water. <laughs> and then the person who didn't want the control fanatic didn't know what to do because they had lost control of the environment because they wanted to control it. They didn't know what, to, they didn't know whether to go left or right. The next one was the peanuts. Do you remember the peanuts? Yeah, they were. Yeah. My favorite. 
So Sarah was there. She comes downstairs because she knows it's up by day six. I'm just getting a little annoyed because I'm tired. I'm starting to lose my voice and I am curling my hair, which means 10 minutes later, talk about control fanatic. It doesn't last. 10 minutes later, the curl goes away, but it's just my idea of preparing. It's like warm-ups for the Super Bowl. So I'm there curling my hair and doing my eyeliner, and I'm not to be disturbed because that's my issue with control. Do not mess me up with makeup and hair. So she comes in and goes, Amel, I am so sorry. I have to tell you something. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It has to do with peanuts. I said, I don't want to hear about it. Well, there's someone apparently who's upset about peanuts. I said, right. And is quite upset that you would bring peanuts. I said, exactly. Go out there and ask them about an EpiPen. Ask them if they have an EpiPen. If they are tremendously OCD about EpiPen, they must have an EpiPen. I'm not saying shove the peanuts in their mouth and call it a day. I'm not asking that. I'm just asking if she has an EpiPen because clearly I put cases of peanuts in the garage about 10 feet away from them. So they're not about to have an anaphylactic shock yet. Right? Remember that? Right, yeah. Good times. <laughs> right? OCD, control. So she comes back and says, well, apparently she's allergic to EpiPen. I said, really? Given that we have epinephrine in our body, she's allergic to herself. How novel. She said, ML, I don't know how to handle this. It's <laughs> a very thick Southern accent. I said, I know. And if I get disturbed one more time, I'm going to blow up. See, Dawn, you've been spared by all these festivities inside the house. Now, haven't you? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Right, yeah. Because if you said, can you tell me why you moved those dishes in the dishwasher? I'd say, because I want to. <laughs> Because I'm upset because what's going on outside? And you go, okay, okay. <laughs> she wouldn't understand. It has to do with the one thing I have control over right now are the damn dishes. Right. <laughs> and you go, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it because I too, it's the one thing I have control over because that's the whole point of perfectionism. See how I moved it around? You thought I was talking about the class and deflecting. No, perfectionism <laughs> is choosing the one thing. That you have control over when the world around you is going to hell in a (laughs) handbasket. Do you get it? Yeah. Could be the water, could be the peanuts. (laughs) And so you have to tell your partner, I love you, but just let me fool around with dishes. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) It's my area. Don't you understand? It's better than me going out and shooting bunches of people because I'm upset. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) You understand? (laughs) Tell me the rest of the thing about the peanuts. Because everybody's got their area that they have to control. Or they're going to lose it, right? Right. (laughs) You know, guy next door. He had this thing about his lawn and his gardens and all this stuff because he built this garage. It was so huge. They called it the Taj Steve. <laughs> Massive. <laughs> and so, of course, I'm going to go around and screw over there because he's so perfect, right? So he went out of town 
and there are all these builders and foremen over there. So I walked over, slow, deliberate, because he's OCD, right? He has lawns and gardens, obsessive compulsive disorder. I've told him, do you know you have LNG OCD? <laughs> he said, what is that? Is that a medical disease? I said, it's serious. We lose about 100 people each year. You have never heard of it? Ask your doctor. So he's away. And I walk up. Because you understand, this is a controlled environment. There's a foreman. So I walk up, get out of my car. He doesn't know I live next door because I just drive it in. I get out and I say, to one of the workers, I say, can I talk to your foreman, please? The guy goes, oh, yes, sure, sure. He comes back in. So you understand, they're very serious. And they're very controlled. And this will get back to Steve, okay? Yes, it will. I said, I am from OSHA, plainclothes division. <laughs> OSHA are the inspectors that look for people who break rules. Right. <laughs> and I have spotted exactly five, possibly six, rules that you have broken. Safety violations. I could remove your license right now. Are you aware of that? This all will be in the report. Now, I would like you to tell the owner of this property that I could shut all of this down right now. <laughs> but he needs to examine your certificates because they're not in order, sir. He said, I'll let him know, sir. I said, you do that. Plainclothes division, OSHA. <laughs> The peanuts, the individual said, I'm surprised that you are serving peanuts because there, there are allergies for peanuts and they can be deadly. I said, okay, it's not a problem. I, remember how I was being very cooperative? Right. Same. I think it might've been the same or next to the person, Mr. Water or Miss Water. I poor Sarah. I said, Sarah, take all of these peanuts bring them to the back of the garage and throw them in the garbage. So now she's stuck because with people with obsessive compulsive disorder, see, they don't understand. I know the brain. I'm not only control fanatics, but they're also miserly. See, you didn't know I knew this, right? They don't, they're very controlled about expenditures. So now she's horrified that I'm throwing out all that money, right? Right. Yep. I knew that. So I said, never can be too safe. <laughs> <laughs> I said, throw it out. And she was horrified, right? Yes. And I, she said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't throw it out. I said, why? I want to keep you safe. And she said, don't you want to donate it to the homeless? Because remember now, that's what they also are, very moral, right? Mm -hmm. she'll know this, I know exactly the brain. You see, you don't know what goes behind the scenes of this teaching. I said, donate to the homeless. These peanuts. And there might be one well-meaning, some poor homeless person with an undiagnosed peanut allergy, and they'll just die, die <laughs> because of me. Do you remember that? That really messes with their control issues. They don't know whether they go to the right, to the left, keep going straight, or what. Do you remember that? Yeah. That woman signed up for a reading. <laughs> <laughs> Because 
I understand that. I understand the brain. It's a hard brain to have because I have it. Do you get it? Yeah. You think I'm making fun of it? I'm not. I have it. No, I get it. In my PhD, they just never think people would want to do this. There are these fiber pathways in the brain, millions and millions of fibers that you, you know, when you draw pathways in the brain to chart, this was for stroke recovery. Most people just draw a fiber or two and call it a day. Oh, no, not me. Do you know what I did? I got all those different pencils, different aperture, you know, different, like, fine, mm-hmm. fine, 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 fine. And I tried to draw every flipping fiber, every single one of them. And then I would start to see patterns, and I would draw a braid, things that were never done in that lab before. I would not get up for hours, which, of course, is what a person with OCPD or whatever perfectionism would do, because I wanted to make it perfect, because I wanted to find out how close I could get to seeing everything. That's what perfectionism is. Some of it is beautiful. It's like an artist trying to see how close you can get to a perfect circle. Charles M. Schultz did that. He would spend hours trying to draw a perfect circle circle for Charlie Brown's head. When you first get a job at Disney, when they first did it, they would just give you a piece of paper and have you draw Mickey Mouse over and over again to see how perfect you could do. I wanted to know how perfectly I could get every fiber that the human eye could see. And people were like, Mona Lisa, come out and play softball. You have the legs for it. You drove your bike all the way. I mean, 30 miles a day for it. And I'm like, no, no. I would stay underneath that microscope eight, nine hours a day, listening to the same, talk about compulsivity, the same tape, the same compulsive tape. Um, Don't make me over. Dionne Warwick. Greatest hits. (laughs) Over and over again. That's compulsive. But it's part of beauty. It's part of genius. It's part of madness. Now, I ain't no genius. But there's something about to dream the impossible dream. In in um, calculus, is the limit as it approaches infinity. We cannot get to infinity, but we can try to approach it. After that, my neck snapped. I woke up one morning and I couldn't feel my fingers. Perhaps it was the stress of the complexities of the social environment in that godforsaken lab as a cat scream. But perhaps it was the perfectionism of the tightness of the muscles in my neck. I don't know. Do I regret it? No. As a cat scream and go, I'm hungry and I'm going to throw something. I'm not. <laughs> Just a piece of liar. 
<laughs> my point is, Dawn, see that when you try to do a perfect show, somebody messes it up because that's life. I just do it again because it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think you get part of that dopamine, that opiate, because every time you fill up the dishwasher, you're looking for the perfect setup. There's a beauty in it, isn't it? Yeah. You have to explain that to your wife. Because the nonverbal communication, she feels that she's not doing it enough. She's not doing it right. Did you get it? Right. Yeah. When you set to say to her, it's like good sex. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll like sex with dishes and you'll go, yeah, it's like a fetish. <laughs> to be honest with you, it is. Because right. it releases the neurochemicals of opiates. It's that thing that people have that they bond to that makes them feel good. It's just you and it, and it's your fascination. It's your muse. But it can get a little nutty. (laughs) (laughs) Like anything, it can become an illness and get out of control. Right. Perfection, flaw, it can become an addiction and become an illness. However, it's part of the beauty of life. It's part of the whole. I want to thank you for welcoming me into your day. You've been listening to Healthy Living Intuitively with me, Dr. Mona Lisa. Thank you so much. Live well, live happy, live brilliantly. See you next week. I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.